0: Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast, share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hi, hey, Genius Leader. Today, you are going to hear another episode with a guest. My guest today is Lip Kozak, and I've known him, not personally, for many years. I studied at the same university the same time as him. He was a couple of years older. Uh, and on a different program, but he was very active in the university life. I saw him from that perspective, uh, seeing him as the active part of the student life of the whole university community. And I've been connected to him on LinkedIn, and I thought it would be a great uh, opportunity to talk to him and bring him on the show to share an experience of one of the CEOs back in Ukraine. So, Klip is CEO of Fondex, it's a trading company. And we agreed with him in advance that he will not go into the details of the business and the technology because it's very deep tech in the fintech industry. And uh, he was a bit afraid of uh, losing um, losing you guys, the audience, uh, going too much in the detail. So uh, we stayed away from that topic. But he, in the beginning, shares a bit of what it, what it means, what Fondex do, uh, does as a company. But our main focus was, of course, on the past three months of living in Ukraine and leading a company in Ukraine in wartime. And this was a beautiful conversation to me. I have so many things that I will need to digest myself and reflect on and talk to more people to understand how that affects me, how that manifests in my life and so on. And because just to give you a, uh, an understanding, uh, Hlieb has bachelor in political science, master's in uh, philosophy, and he works as a startup, a founder in fintech. Just this background probably hopefully makes you interested in listening to the conversation because Lip brings his vision of the world from all these perspectives. And I think it's, it's a very valuable way, a um, valuable resource for every one of you to understand Ukraine better right now. And this is the, one of the goals of the series for me uh, on the show. To provide you with a chance to hear different voices and deepen your understanding of what is going on in Ukraine right now and who Ukrainians are. Understand us as a nation, understand us as people, as specialists and professionals, just that you you can get a better picture of of the world right now. And I'm very grateful for Gleb's generosity with his answers, his reflections, and um, his experiences. And as I said, we talk about business, how they prepared for the war and whether they did anything prior the uh, full-scale invasion happened, how that worked out for them, how is business going on now, three months into the war, what, uh, what it means for the company and the employees, seller-wise and headcount-wise. We also talk about Hulip's experience as a leader uh, what it meant for him to lead a, a team of 20 people in Ukraine and more abroad, in the times of a full-scale scale invasion. But as I said, we also go into um, the merged experiences or reflections from his knowledge in politics or political science and philosophy. In fact, and that's something I didn't know, he did his bachelor's thesis about uh, political situation and relationship with Russia. And he sh- shares his insights from that work and from following the uh, the development of Russian aggression years before the full-scale invasion, but also talk about what makes Ukrainian entrepreneurs who they are, um, what is the main feature of the Ukrainian entrepreneurs. And, you know, as uh, many people talk, and even I talked about on the show, a lot of people are talking about resilience, but for Glee, that one is number two, and the main feature of Ukrainian entrepreneurs, in his eyes, is something different. And we discuss his beautiful reflections on where that feature can come from. And I just really want you to listen to that part and uh, the, this whole conversation, because it takes us surprising, for me at least, ways, and just creates a beautiful experience of understanding us more. So please enjoy the episode, keep standing with Ukraine, support in whichever you way you can. If you can do it financially, please do. And we'll always put a link to a um, number of resources that are reliable and trustworthy in Ukraine in the ways that you can support. And um, see you on the other side. welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Anna.
0: Hi, Gleb. It's It's interesting to talk to people who... I know, as Ukrainians, and I've only known you from Ukrainian context, and and speak English to you. But um, yeah, this is—I think this is very important for me to give my platform and uh, let my audience hear Ukrainian voices in in these times, uh, so that people can learn more about what Ukraine means in uh, in today's context. I would like to uh, start with a question about your business, your company. Can you, in layman terms, in very simple Terms explain the very complicated things you do in the fintech.
1: Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Lib. I'm CEO of uh, Fondex. Briefly speaking, it's a nail broker. We make services for professional and semi-professional uh, traders and investors uh, who want to trade uh, stocks not in a common way, but in a smart, sophisticated way. So we create the whole infrastructure for it. And briefly speaking, it's called neo broker, like Robinhood or like, uh, uh box in the EU. But uh, we are more. We, our products are more co- complex and sophisticated. It's if talking about general general idea. So uh, yeah, I'm rolling it, uh, and uh, to do it, we provide different services. We provide uh, software as service to, to trade, we provide educational services, we provide investment services, etc. And uh, in complex, it is shaping the, uh, the landscape of business, something yes. like that.
0: And, and when did you establish Bondex? Uh, in
1: uh, 2016.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's been on the market Our, for a while
1: now. Soon it will be six years, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're a Ukrainian-based company, but you also have offices in a couple of other countries, right? Czech Republic, it was, and the US and Poland.
1: Yes, uh, hmm. true. Uh, mainly, our core team is uh, from Ukraine. Uh, me and my co-founder, we are Ukrainian people. Uh, most of the process is at here, and our offices um, outside uh, Ukraine are mainly like utility, uh, utility-based uh, offices. This means that. They are not uh, responsible for business development or like uh, they're just supporting the processes that should be mm-hmm. for substance. Uh, there is this term substance. If you have the company, you need to, to have the local staff that will do like the uh, the financials, the legal stuff on, on the ground. So we are mm-hmm. mainly having that like this. So the core team is uh, Ukrainians in Ukraine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I see. And how many people do you have in,
1: in the Ukrainian team?
0: 20. We have so
1: uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, go on go ahead. <laughs> No no, I just wanted to say that uh, we have uh, it's interesting. I, I see this as the network because we have you're talking about all the people involved in doing the business with us it's around 50 people, yeah, but uh, in core team who are doing every day something it's it's 20. We, mm-hmm. we made uh, to do our business, we combined a lot of existing products from other teams, and we uh, like connected. In, in in it like software teams like marketing teams etc
0: that's cool that's good to collaborate those ways i would like to jump into the topic of the uh, the war the full-scale mm-hmm. invasion that russia has that has been ongoing now for three months and uh, you posted recently on linkedin that 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 might have or could have affected your business because you're ukrainian based but it did not could you tell us more about that how how did it happen that your operations were not affected by Ukraine, uh, by, by the war in Ukraine? And uh, what have you
1: been doing for that? <clears throat> okay. Can I reply not briefly on it? Can reply <laughs> you that? have
0: all the <laughs> time in the world for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, look, uh, to, to take a step back, I need to say that um, there is the idea that to be an entrepreneur or to do a startups or not startup, but like, uh, money-making business uh, is fun. Uh, it's and easy, but uh, and the vibe around it uh, that is created by the media and venture capitalists uh, are like all positive. Mm-hmm. But actually, to do business and especially to do international business from Ukraine is is kind of bumpy, right? It's uh, it's tough. So mm-hmm. for six years before everything that happened to my business. Got me ready and my team ready to the war. Everything. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we, we had the hacker, Russian hacker attack on our company two years ago. We had the problems with authorities that were trying like to, uh, to get us into some corrupt uh, stuff and we needed to fa- fight it. Uh, there was the COVID. Um, yeah, there was uh, a lot of, um, uh, scams from uh, financial counteragents like uh, for example you are working with a EU licensed uh, payment provider but someday it can just uh, uh, be scammed and the money of your clients there are lost but you are a person who owns this money to your client etc. So I, uh, I'm in fintech industry for 12 years and uh, I've experienced I think every Kind of disaster that can happen to the businesses I own or or to the businesses I worked for. So then, uh, since these six years, you know, it, it really was uh, a difficult but interesting road to do business and to grow. Uh, competitors, scammers everywhere around fintech. Uh, we are a little bit into crypto as well. Crypto is full of scammers. All of the modern scammers and crypto. So it's um. It makes uh, the mentality of uh, me and my team like uh, uh, ready, uh, ready for any kind of, of uh, problem. And um, it's, it's talking about the mentality. But then uh, we are like not the, well, it's not a hobby. It's uh, the systematic uh, business. So um, uh, we have uh, all the procedures we need. Like every department uh, has no, has own uh, procedures, has own documentation, uh, has own rules. Uh, and uh, as soon as we had already the hacker attack, and as soon as we already had uh, other problems, uh, they know how to, how to perform in different uh, situations. That's why, uh, and we have the, it's how, how it's say in English, um, everything is settled like in a good order. So, uh, talking about the operations. So, um, if um, I know who is, as the CEO who is doing what, and uh, every important person in the company also knows who is responsible for what, who, wh- what accesses uh, to what tech and financial in- infrastructure, who has, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, and uh, then before war, um, like I think uh, around two months is before. Uh, We also created the war protocol. So Mm -hmm. uh, we discussed with uh, everyone on the team what uh, will this person do uh, in case uh, when the war will start. So what will this person do uh, personally, like uh, like a human? So uh, move uh, from the city or stay? Like, uh, uh, is this uh, person, my employee, ready? Like... uh, water supply food supply in case of the war that like we, we were talking about this two months before uh, before the war and we had the the documents for this already prepared and uh, so when the war started it was not a surprise for my company or my colleagues we had we, we knew what to do we knew what to do so we you know to do our business you need to have servers infrastructure you need to have uh, uh, financial infrastructure operating ongoing Guadal- because, uh, every day, like mon- from Monday to Friday, uh, clients are trading stocks. And we have clients from China, from Colombia, like from, I don't know, Germany, from Canada, uh, not on- only from Ukraine, yes, mm-hmm. uh, or, uh, post other Eastern European and Central Asia countries. So we needed to stay, uh, to stay pers- consistent and persistent, I think, uh, uh, in our processes so our clients will not feel that uh, we shake or that something is not working because you know we are a financial company we hold uh, the money of our clients so and 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 we are ukrainian company and the war started so our clients can think oh maybe it's not so safe to have money in the ukrainian company in this moment so we needed to be ready for this and to to show that uh uh, with our practices and with our communication, that we are ready for this, that everything is under control, that people can uh, continue invest and trade, uh, and everything is stable, and, and our company is ready, and, and so on. And we should be also ready for that. So yeah, it um, the t- tough road uh, before war and uh, made us prepared for this. Made us prepared. Mm-hmm
0: the the previous guest of uh, on my show, one of my team members, anna Listonova, she was talking about that that she the weekend before the 24th of February, she actually went around in her neighborhood checking out the bomb shelters and she was saying like I, I read all the information about how to prepare like the the rucksack or the, the the necessities bag, but she resisted of doing it because for her psychologically that would be the uh, acceptance that yeah Russia will invade us. And you have, have had those plans and it sounds like you have managed to stick to them before. How how was that affecting you, your psyche, both you personally and also your team? Those discussions of creating those plans, what kind of thoughts did they bring?
1: Hmm. I don't know about my team. I, mm-hmm. I, I think they were kind of stable because, we, you know, when you are ready and you have a plan, it's easier to, to perform. I, I also had the personal plan. What will I do? Like me as a, as a human. And uh, I had a sister in okay. also in Kiev. So we had the, I, I had also the car with a uh, full, uh, back of, uh, gas. Uh, I had the, my, uh, like, like I said, necessity back or how it's, yeah, I had my mm-hmm. stuff ready, food supply, water supply, everything that, uh, we were ready to move. Uh, And we did it, and we did it. So um, most uh, my, I think it was uh, yeah. We were talking with you know with our uh, employees, what will they do, and so I think it made them a little bit more ready because you need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm my education. I'm not the am I in finance. I'm am I in philosophy, and before that, I, I got the bachelor degree in political science. And uh, my uh, diploma on on bachelor for bachelor degree was on uh, Russia. So uh, I expected the new scale of war long ago. And uh, especially Mm -hmm. in April, uh, uh, previous April, uh, they had also like 130,000 troops uh, around the border. And uh, I was uh, already like mentally preparing and understanding that, okay, this will happen sometimes you should be ready and we were talking about this i think it's important to talk to talk not Mm. to to keep silent and to Mm. plan i think so
0: the the preparation the plans the contingency plans have helped you uh, and your uh, team and you also wrote that your your april has been uh profitable and, and you actually have managed to grow your revenues if i understood correctly tell us about the uh, that journey of march april running business and uh, how did your clients react did some pull out or they all trusted in you and stayed with you how was that
1: yes thank you first of all we need to say that we worked in russia and Russia before the war and uh, this cut off around like 30 percent of our uh, revenue because we blocked uh, and Freeze all of the accounts and stopped uh, operating there. We didn't have the office, but we like were supporting and working with clients from uh, with Russian citizenship. So, um, for them, for example, we made the message that your uh, assets uh, are frozen and uh, you cannot trade anymore unless you change your citizenship or residency, first of all, residency. Because there is a difference between citizenship and tax residency. If they want to stay the citizens of Russia, I don't care. But if they pay taxes there, I care. So, And, uh, for example, we had some group of uh, uh, people pro- of, from Russia that immediately started uh, moving to Georgia and uh, changing their residency to continue mm-hmm. working. When will they do this? I think we can work with them. So uh, it was, um, yeah. But we were ready. We knew that we will throw uh, if the the war will start, we will throw. Uh, so um, also we cut some costs, additional costs, and uh, it happened that uh, our uh, outside markets from China, from uh, Latin America, like the, these groups of uh, clients, uh, they uh, they increased their activity. So we got we got more more revenue. And yeah, it was the surprise for me that we ended having the profitable months uh, because we are on the stage when we invest a lot in IT and the uh, consultancy and marketing, not not a lot in marketing, more in consultancy. Uh, and we are getting ready for the next uh, stage uh, uh, in our uh, development for Series A. So, and we've got, uh, yeah, the other good news was that we've got the the additional proceed investment uh, in uh, April and that was mm-hmm. also we, we expected that earlier but that was kind of a surprise for us because uh, w- well we we are working in a war yes so the, but these uh, investors uh, believed in us and I think uh, I, I hope that it was because we sh- showed some resilience and uh, mm-hmm. or it's called resilience resilience know. yeah Mm-hmm. resilience yeah resilience uh, some resilience maybe and that still we we showed some profits which is pretty uncommon for the startup to show in profits uh so i think um there is some room of improvement uh, in our market so uh, this uh, investor believed in us and uh, yeah we had some bunch of good news in april uh, which mm-hmm. makes our uh, our may Good, so we can like be more optimistic about how we will uh, develop our services in future and grow. Yes, and uh, hopefully yeah, we communicated. You know, we, we were not silent. So we, on the first di- day when the war started, uh, I've messaged personally to all the deep clients we have that uh, guys, everything is under control. Uh, we are safe. Our processes is safe. You can continue invest and in trade so they believed me that's wonderful
0: tell me uh, what preceded that how tight is your communication with your clients whether it's VIP or general um, Like the, basically how did you build this trust so that the people actually believed when, when they got that message on the 21st of February and stayed with you
1: mm, well okay if uh, replying directly yes our communication is tight so I am one of I am CEO and I I think that CEO should uh, talk to deep to to best clients all the time. So I think I I am in contact with them like once a week. I'm mm-hmm. chatting about something with them. Like uh, they can uh, tell me that uh, there is some this issue or this need to be solved or some other different stuff, and I'm trying to to implement this uh, or like relate somehow. Um, from their uh, inputs or insights so uh, yeah we're we have close communication and before that with the other audience uh not who are not we clients so um, like really pro- when i'm talking about deep clients it's not like some uh, rich guy like uh, white male you know <laughs> in the head so no it's a uh, it, in my business it means the professional traders professional groups of traders who for who, who, who it's not like the hobby or side stuff for pension it's the job to trade stocks and the, our business uh, mainly is uh, oriented on these people because uh, our competitive edge is created for them first of all so uh yeah the, uh, but uh, with people who are like trading and investing as a hobby or only on their journey to become the professional uh, traders with them i um I communicate also a lot, but uh, I'm doing webinars all the time. Like uh, once, uh, sometimes twice a a month, uh, sometimes once a month. uh, I'm doing webinar when I describe uh, the... Do you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm just writing down the notes. That's why I look down.
1: Yeah, sorry, it's frozen. So during my webinars, I'm um, uh, describing our products and uh, how we work and we are very transparent in our work uh so that's why i think uh, our audience uh get used to to that we are like uh open people that uh, we can you can reach us you know why not uh me and my co-founder they can like send us personal message uh there is the chance that we will reply to every client so and yeah we are transparent it was uh I tried to do this also as a competitive edge because fintech industry is uh, also kind of like close uh, box. Uh, for example, uh, Robinhood uh, in US, they did not uh, explain their business model for their clients when they started. And uh, for professional professionals understood their business model, but uh, the public, they had like 13 million clients did not mostly understood. And that business model is not fair. Actually, it's uh, it's okay, but it's not fair because and they did not like make it transparent. They did not disclose uh, how actually they are making money while providing the zero commissions. You know. Mm-hmm. So and we are we we did it from the day one on um, in the opposite way. We explained everything like mm-hmm. how this the software is connected to the market, how uh, how we operate, uh, why you pay this commission. Uh, why you need to have this education? Why this education costs this money? Uh, why this education can. And as I told our clients, mainly are uh, professionals, are semi-professionals. So they are not, not newbies. So uh, they uh, value this communication. And, uh, uh, yeah, on the long, long term, if you want to be successful in something, you need to really deeply not only know, but understand the the topic it's different mm, there's yeah. difference between knowing and understanding so uh, and we are providing this in our communication so it's I think it's the answer to your question yeah, thanks
0: hey genius leader I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me if you're enjoying this episode share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius it's interesting to see how like you, you have different ways of communicating with the clients and building that relationship. And talking about the webinars, uh, can people subscribe to them on your webpage or how can they mm, get access to the news about those?
1: Yeah, to, to to get into our network, you need to just register on our website. It's called uh, fondex.pro for English mm-hmm. audience. And then um, after that, um, you will get the... The invitation to our chat in Telegram, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. you will get the invitation to our next uh, webinars uh, and uh, like uh, other other events uh, online or offline that we we perform. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of this. Like uh, when you register, you get into obviously into our CRM and into our email list, and uh, we will uh, our consultant will will tell more. How you can get uh, more, more? How you get can get more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank cool. like you.
0: Yeah, we'll put yeah. we'll put the link in the show notes that you can uh, the listeners can easily uh, reach the uh, the webpage and register. Lip, if we go into the your learnings or so from the wartime right now, uh, what did it mean, or what has your experience been as a leader of the company and uh, of of your team? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm happy that I can pay salaries. You know, in, uh, we paid, uh, in uh, February, we paid uh, two salaries at once for March upfront, just for people to have more money because we didn't know what would happen next. So, and so they will also like feel more safe. Uh, I don't know, uh, that, uh, the company will work. Everything will be fine. So they will. Stay uh, in focus with their uh, job tasks. Um. So I'm happy for that. Uh, I'm happy. I tried also to raise some uh, some salaries where I could. Uh, just also to show that uh, it's not like you know, we we are growing and developing to save to save most of the, all of the team because I didn't uh, how to say it, uh, not to hire you, but like you I you didn't that. have to fire let go. ah, Anyone? Yeah, I did. Yeah, fire. I even didn't know this word in English. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I almost. That's a good sign. Only only if they, uh, like, um, were completely out of their mind. So, um, yeah, I'm happy that I didn't fire anyone. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. So, um, I don't know. We are. Did you have to? Yeah. It's 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 mostly I've said mostly what they wanted. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Like Did you have to take any, I don't know, extra conversations with the uh, employees because of the stress of uh, working and living in the wartime or did you feel like they were
1: all managing okay? Yeah, first of all, uh, during first weeks, so I've like, contacted everyone and asked, where are you? So are we sticking to the plan and uh, are you safe? Do you need something? like Etc. Mm-hmm. And um it's the first moment, And, uh, it's not also about my, like, direct employees, but also for corporations, because, like, I've told you, like, part of software team is not in-house. It's, uh, out-house. So marketing, part of marketing team is not in-house. So I've also maybe to, to talk with, like, designers, marketers, uh, like CEO, co-guys, et cetera. Uh, just to, to know also that they are okay and that we are continuing working and telling them that everything will be good. So uh, yeah, kind of this. I think that uh, you know Ukrainians uh, were, were. I think they most were ready. You know, mentally, it, it was not mm-hmm. like the disaster surprise. That, uh, they were like, "Oh my God, how could this happen?" I never believed, and uh, what should they do now? They were like, "Fuck." Again, we need to do something and risks like execute, mm. execute the plan. Mm. I I don't feel that like uh, about my uh, colleagues that's, as a child that they just scary, and they like mm. we're performing as adults.
0: You touched on a very interesting thing earlier in the conversation about entrepreneurship and doing business. How that prepared you for the work mm. and that brought me to think or reflect about that and. Entrepreneurship has been blooming in Ukraine, and we have so much innovation going on. We have so many tech startups uh, that uh, that are really worth watching. Um, we have IT sector blooming, and Ukraine has been called the Silicon Valley of East Eastern Europe, and those kind of things. So, do you think that is part of our formula with the resilience that the world is in awe of right now?
1: Maybe. I think, you know, the entrepreneurs I know, I would say that the main feature of them in Ukraine, it's not resilience. Resilience, I think, teams second. First is creativity. Mm. They are creative. I don't know why. Maybe because we are on the edge of West and East world. Maybe because uh, um, to survive in Ukraine, you need to be creative, you know, <laughs> because you don't like... Um, Maybe it's, it's the language stuff because our language is, um, is diverse and, um, is rich. Our language is rich. So you la- you have a lot of words for, you know, uh, for, I don't know, for walk and like, like English, but, uh, mm. not like the empire English, imperial English, but like mm. the, the English English. It's really rich, uh, language, like Ukrainian as well. So, and uh language uh now I'm speaking as a philosopher, language forms uh um your language forms the way you think and live. Uh and that's why I think uh Ukrainians are really creative people. So Ukrainian enter an entrepreneurship is a creative um creative thing. And then mm-hmm. so when when you start when you enter from when you are doing business, when you are entrepreneur, first of all uh what is moving you uh, is uh you want to create something like something interesting and uh it's uh i'm calling this um uh, w- i i'd like to i like to tell about my what i'm doing it's like uh organizational um art organizational art like uh that's that's kind of art to do to do business uh so um yeah kind of this hmm. and then uh and then because you are in ukraine and not in the silicon valley or or like, I don't know, Amsterdam. Uh, you need uh, to be creative. Uh, you, you need to, to be resilient. Yes. You need to be resilient because, uh, you will, we uh, will not have a lot of, uh, fund, free funding. Uh, you will not have a lot of network. You will not have the, uh, people, uh, in executive board who understand your business. Uh, in Ukraine, I, I know only two people, two, who know my, my industry better than me. Mm. Two you know so mm-hmm. it's not like uh, and in every if you're doing global business in every case you will not have like uh, a lot of uh, guys from uh, 60s who were doing something for rent corporation or whatever like uh, were you don't have the old professors from Stanford and you don't have the infrastructure to, to, to do this unit like to invent create copy and stuff mm-hmm. yeah something like this
0: very interesting It, uh, it it's very uh Thought-provoking for me, like your um, thoughts on creativity and where it stems from, and the relation between the language, the, the richness of the language, and that. Those are things I definitely want to reflect more on my own, yeah. you know, where I talk to more people about.
1: Yeah, look, for example, at our music. Uh, world doesn't know about our music, but uh, our music is really rich. Like we are, we are doing a lot in music industry, and uh, like. I don't know, uh, after, Bri- after Britain and US and maybe Korea, I don't know the countries who have so much, uh, so much musicians and different styles that are really, really good. That are, and that's why we are winning Eurovision so, so, so often. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, and, uh, for example, you can also take a look into uh, how much poets we had. We had like uh, hundreds of poets. It's uh, not many people think about that, but not every nation had has one hundred poets in their history who are good, like who are good, who are not like doing some simple lullaby, but who are mm. really good. So, and it's uh, the, the the basis of it is in our is in language.
0: It's actually something that I've been reflecting on for the last couple of months, reading poems from. From international poets, uh, or in original, in origin, right? English. I'm learning Icelandic, so I was looking at Icelandic poems. I know Swedish, so I was reading Swedish poems and German. And I always felt like they were they are somehow so simple. And I was like, where is this melody that I took for granted? The Ukrainian poetry that we learned so much at school. Mm -hmm. And comparing that to what I've been reading, and I'm not saying that that's all. Bad, but it's just that my understanding of poetry was completely different from you, you don't you don't really have to sing Ukrainian poems to feel like it's it's a beautiful song that has its melody and yes. that was a discovery for me only now <laughs> in my thirties did I understand <laughs> how special <laughs>
1: the creations of our poets are yes we we have um uh, the good poetry has in rhythm how it's R- mm. Rhythm, how it's in English. Yeah, a rhythm. Yeah, rhythm. In the r- rhythm, it can be mm. like very ver libre, or it can be uh, some something else. Uh, but uh, it has this rhythm. Yeah, so you can sing it as well. And then you all can create business. With... <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's very interesting You see how. Uh, I think it's fascinating how you connect it. Uh, like the language and our poetry and our culture too creating businesses with uh, deep, complicated uh, tech, like the industry that you are in. And I think it's beautiful how you're showing people that it's not either or. You don't have to be a humanitarian and stay there forever. You can actually apply what you learn from the humanitarian sciences or uh, from from the uh, applied sciences and like really combine the worlds and merge them together to create something new and beautiful. And and it's it, I, I'm really grateful that you're bringing it up. That this is partly maybe what makes Ukrainian entrepreneurs so good and creative and innovative. That we actually managed to do it.
1: Yeah, let's hope that we will succeed with this. Yes.
0: Yeah. Do you want to share a bit of your personal experience of the war? Has it changed anything? Like your views on the world, your
1: views on your work. Mm-hmm. I think um, I finally understood the level of how, how the level of how cynical world can be and uh, it's like stupid to say world in general but like the level of uh, or, or the amount of cynical people and processes uh, in the world I think uh, as a, I assume myself as a good person you know so I expect good from most of the people. Around, etc. And, um, but then, uh, I'm the fan of, uh, LA and uh, saga, you know, mm-hmm. Alliance saga, like Prometheus, uh, spin off, and et- et- stuff. This, and, uh, they proposed uh, the different idea about the world that it is uh, really cold, uh, uh dark, uh, not comfy place uh, where everything wants actually to survive. And if it needs to kill you, it will. And it can be different. It can be mad. It's not really funny. And um yeah, so uh, I think war brought me back a little bit to reality from the pink uh, ideas about how we can uh, here in Kiev and in the world create uh, beautiful new businesses, uh, develop our creative industry, like uh, travel around uh, and stuff, uh, and uh, to, to the idea that there are still a lot of people who are poor. who there is uh, hunger uh, there are crazy crazy people there are mean people and uh, a lot of them live uh, around our border so and there is yeah reality is more harsh uh, mm-hmm. and uh, what is, what this means for me is it means that my decisions in from this moment and in future I hope will be more realistic. So I will not be too optimistic about the outcomes of my decisions. I will, I'm doing investment business so risk is uh, like second word for me, but uh, still, uh, it's, uh, I'm optimistically biased, you know, Mm. so now I will do less, now I will do less.
0: I actually discussed it with my best friend uh, just before our conversation um this duality of 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 the world right now or of our living or of our reality um when we we who some uh, who are outside of ukraine we see this normal life around ourselves and every single moment we we are reminded in our heads and in our hearts that our dear ones are in danger now they The war is going on back home, and it's this weird inner conflict, continuous inner conflict of should we live our life? Should we not give that victory to the enemy versus how can we allow ourselves to live our lives? What are your thoughts on that duality? Mm
1: -hmm. I understood that there are now a few people on the zero, like on the front line, who want uh, me to suffer from Ukrainian side, that, uh, most of them, they are like doing war with, uh, with a smile, you know. So, uh, they don't want me to suffer. They want me to work and to support Ukrainian economy and to support them with uh, money. And uh, if I would be on the zero, like on, on the front line, I would also. You never want to other people to suffer for you. It's like uh, not the healthy thing to want. <laughs> so uh, there is no sense to do that. Uh, you need to continue your life. You need to continue enjoy. You need to have fun. But of course, uh, if you if you can, if it is sustainable for your financial health and for your life, uh, it's better to help. Uh, uh, ukrainian army and ukrainian economy to win yeah mm-hmm. i was uh trying to on the second day of war i was trying to volunteer like in the uh i don't know it's the translation it's like a um volunteer uh, fighting like organization ter- terri- right territorial that. defense no it's uh, different territorial ter- 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 defense is the part of uh, military forces it's uh, the official part and there is also the S- uh, volunteer groups uh, they mm. also there is a law for them so if i would like to be with the weapon it's okay for me to use it because there is a law for this group of people as well if you are registered as a volunteer in the local uh, military facility so i i had the idea that okay i uh, i when i got from kiev to western ukraine to my hometown now on this second day of war so uh, i had the idea that first of all i will come back to kiev and i will join the territorial defense then i understood that the bridge uh, to kiev was blown up and uh, i didn't have enough gas to get back and that uh, actually they didn't need m- me i'm not the military person i can only like drive i thought that i would be the driver uh but um, they told me my, my people who were in Turtle defense in they told me that now we don't need to drive or like stay where you are. And, uh, so I decided to go to volunteer, uh, around my hometown, Western Ukraine. So I volunteered one day. It was all of a fun, like we were looking for like some, um, uh, special operation guys from Russia around the forest, around my city, but it was mostly fun, um uh, I shoot it with a rifle on, like, uh, on, on, on just to practice. I had a knife and, uh, I made a lot of jokes, uh, with, uh, uh, local, uh, police uh, guy, uh, uh, just traveling through beautiful uh, villages around the home. So, but, and I understood that, okay, there, there were also a lot of people, uh, a lot of volunteers, too much of them, actually, too much of them. And uh, I understood that, okay, it's not, uh, it's not my job. Uh, like, uh, so uh, I need to, I have uh, people, I have a uh, business. So if I will pay salaries to and uh, money every month to 20 people, then, uh, this money will end up in the Ukrainian economy and they, they will not end up with in, uh, um, in, uh, in the military. And, uh, I have the competitor, for example, from Russia. So if, and they have a lot of, uh, their business have a lot of problems now, uh, more than they had before. So I understand that if my business will survive and they will not, I will be, my business will be main in our region of uh, East, uh, East uh, Europe and uh, Central Asia. So uh Ukraine only will win if I will work with this. So it's my, my front line and I can like send money or so what they, what I, what is sustainable financially for me. Uh, and that's my front line and that's all that's all and then after that of course i tried to understood like uh more about uh, how the war is going so i think like a uh, few hours a day i'm checking what is going on and and reading uh some professionals uh, who provide a professional view on uh, what is going on in the war i spent some time to find these professionals and to like uh, separate them pro- from the noise uh, mm-hmm. and i understood that yeah to to be military its it's the profession even to 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 be the simple uh, shooter, you need at least like half a year of good practice uh if to be to be good in it yes so uh it's not something you do overnight uh so there is really less i'm i'm more helpful with staying consistent with what i'm doing that's mm-hmm. uh, that was the journey of my mind uh, during about my involvement in war mm-hmm. Thanks
0: so much for sharing your journey. Uh, I think it's very important. And I I like how basically you're talking about finding your own, your personal frontline. And Mm. uh, this is something that a lot of us had to go through, find our uh, way of contributing um, I, I had to go through that back in 2013, for example, when Maidan was starting and I was living in Sweden. And I shared on this podcast that I, I was considering several times seriously, like almost buying the ticket to go back and, and be on Maidan with a lot of people from our university because we studied the same university. And, uh, then I realized that I would be more helpful back in Sweden because a lot of people knew back in my, a uh, company where I worked that I'm Ukrainian and they were coming over to my desk and asking me like, what is going on? How are your family and friends and so on? So I started doing informational work, so to say, just trying to bring more understanding for people and more perspectives and more firsthand experiences from my family and my, my friends starting organizing the, some cultural events. And that's the thing that we all have a function and it's very important to know that there are many right ways and, uh, we all can find something that is helpful for Ukraine now, whether it is of Ukrainians, whether it is of people, international people. We all can find our way of of supporting and and making the victory closer mm-hmm. for us and for the for the peaceful and democratic world. Thanks for sharing, Zbigniew. So Thank
1: you.
0: If if we try to sum up, my audience is mainly. Uh, International with a lot of people from the English-speaking countries, Sweden, Germany, other countries in Europe. What would you like them to take or to remember from our conversation? Uh, whether it is about the business in Ukraine, whether it is about the war and Russian aggression in our country now, what you would like to leave people with? Mm,
1: that's a good question. I think that would be the kind reminder that every action and non-action has a price. And um sometimes one person can live life really smooth and calm. And sometimes entropy of the world can brought the similar person into Holocaust rollercoaster roller like of uh, of not pleasant event. So it's and it, it can it 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 won't be really fun. Unless you get used to it. So to be useful, if my advice is, uh, can, can matter for somebody, I'd like to remind people to be more, more sure or like to dominate more conscious, more conscious. Yeah. About the long term and long term results of their decisions. Mm-hmm. And it, it ended, it ends in, in what will you do with war? what will you do with terrorist attack at your school, what will you do with a uh, business, what will you do with education. Before you do a decision, take time to think about it and uh, remember that it can it, it can end bad. It can end bad. So, not, not only good stuff is happening around.
0: Unfortunately. Thanks a lot. And if people would like to figure out more about what Fondex do and uh, somehow join your community, whether it's professional traders or someone who is interested in uh, learning more, what would be the best ways to get around?
1: Yeah, just register on our website fondex.pro and uh, our consultant will uh, talk to you and we'll understand more who you are, what's your interest and we'll guide you through our products and through our bunch of communication channels you have we have free consultation for everyone who register and this consultant can in a pleasant way guide person where this person wants to
0: thank you so much i really appreciate your time and your uh, sharings and learnings um, from these past three months and um, i can only wish the peaceful sky over
1: our home yeah (laughs) uh, i hope so
0: And thank you everyone for listening and talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, thank you people for getting into our lives. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything.